look, people say to me, oh, you know, it was really good back in those days. I wouldn't change it. You know, the progression is fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. I am. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of martialartsmedia.com, George Faree. Hi, this is George Free, and welcome to another Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. Today, I am speaking with Shadoshi Grant Bannister. Now, Shadoshi Grant Bannister has been in the martial arts industry for a very long time, so we're going to have a great chat just about where he's come from, and he's also just recently got inducted into the Australian Martial Arts Hall of Fame, so we're also going to have a bit of a chat about that. So, welcome to the show, Grant. Thank you, George, and uh, thank you for having me. It's great. I've watched a lot of your podcasts, and uh, they're, they're really great, so I feel honored to be part of it. That's fantastic. Awesome. So let's start from right from the beginning, Grant. So who is Grant Bannister? Um, well, I, I've um, been a working guy all my life. I was a TV technician. Uh, I've got a family of three kids and four grandchildren. Um, I started my martial arts journey way back in 1959 under a guy called Wally Strauss. Um, I wasn't interested in football and this guy said, oh, I'm going to do judo. And I thought, oh, I don't know what it is, but I'll do it. So um, I trained for a whole year with Wally Strauss. Um, I didn't, I left my uh, martial arts go until uh, I was 29, I think I was, when I got back into it. And um, my journey started then and uh, been going ever since. Fantastic. So 29. And then when did when did you start on the path of instructing? Well, I started with a guy called, um, well, with Sanchi Kai um, and Mel Lomax. And Mel was very big into once you've got knowledge, you know, you start teaching, which is great. I think that happens a lot nowadays. So probably, probably less than two years after I started, I was teaching and Mel asked me to open up my own club, which I did down in Blackburn, um, and we went from there. Um, unfortunately, Mel passed away um, a few years ago. Um, he went. He moved to Queensland in 1986. I, I didn't stay with Sanchi Kai. I, I, another chap of himself decided to start just training in the garage. And after a while, we got more and more people coming in, and all of a sudden, the garage was full, and we had to start looking for a hall. And... Um, then I, I thought, well, we, we'll have to start putting something together and make it our own style. So uh, we called it Bikido Karate. That was in 1986. And uh, we've grown slowly from then, not, not um, in a large amount. But um, in that time, I've probably taught oh, thousands and thousands of uh, students. So it's been a great journey. I've had some amazing people by my side. And that makes you want to keep going. You know, people say to me, oh, you, you're 74 now, you know, it's about time to retire, went around Australia. Um, but I still get a big buzz out of seeing the kids, um, you know, starting to show respect and uh, towards their parents and us. So it's still a, still a journey. For sure. So, so 74 years old. Wow, that's, that's, that's good going. Now, and, and 
I just want to calculate the years back. So, so you've been doing martial arts then for the last forty plus. Forty plus. <laughs> okay, so we got... <laughs> all right, fantastic. So, so forty years. I mean, that's that's my lifetime right now. So, just in comparison from where you started to where things are now, what's what's sort of the biggest changes that you've and adjustments that you've had to make along the way? Look, I think. You know, back then it was crazy. Uh, everyone used to belt the hell out of each other. And it was really, really dangerous, you know, like people lost kidneys and all sorts of things. And, and of course, um, OH&S start to come in and people realised that they could get sued. So it all changed. Um, but um, it, it was a good time. I had a great time with security and all that sort of stuff. We, we uh, Mel Lomax had contacts and we... Um, we spent a week with Olivia Newton-John on her um, when Xanadu was opened, and we had the Boomtown Rats and quite a few other um, celebrities, and um, it, it was a good time. A lot of those people liked the martial arts, and they wanted to become a little bit more involved in it. I think Bob Jones had um, Fleetwood Mac uh, at the time, Richard Norton was bodyguard with Fleetwood Mac, and they were, they were good fun times. It wasn't a lot of animosity you know amongst the crowds although we did we did have problems but um it was just a, a really really good fun time for me okay so and and did you pursue that bodyguarding type of role for for a long time um i think it was about four years um we uh it's it was like a, a security thing it wasn't a um a bouncing thing so i mean I think when we did the Olivia Newton-John thing, uh, she got the keys to the city at Melbourne Town Hall, and there was thousands of people there. It just reminded me of the um, the Beatles days. And I was actually just telling someone the other day, um, even getting her to the car was almost impossible. The crowd was so packed. And um, we got down to the car, and Mel said, I don't know how we're going to get her in. <clears throat> so he opened the door, and I had to lean against the car and pushed the door open so she could get in. And um, the next thing, I had this guy sitting on my head trying to get her autograph. <laughs> so I, I'm trying to hold the door and this idiot's sitting on my head. I, I couldn't do anything about it. So it wasn't all about punching and um, kicking and all that sort of stuff. It's just trying to do the right thing and trying to keep the celebrities safe from the crowds. Right. Sounds sounds like interesting interesting days. <laughs> it was certainly was. Nothing comes close to that from what I've done since. So you mentioned that um, people were losing kidneys and things like that. Was it basically due to not regulations and and things in place in the industry? It was. Um, look back in it. Um, I mean, even the bouncers in hotels they didn't have name tags. You know, they they could do a lot of damage and just disappear. And um, a, a lot of them would turn up into martial arts, and all they wanted to do was fight full contact. And um, some nights you felt you you were just trying to stay alive, you know, <laughs> keeping your hands up and moving around. So it was a a, a very brutal learning curve, um, and uh, it slowly changed. And people say, oh, it's not the same nowadays, and it's watered down. But the way I look at it is if, if you've got, you're teaching children and they can go out and they've got some self-defence, um, Dave Kovar always says, you know, some self-defence is better than no self-defence. 
and uh, if they if they become more alert and they're more courteous to people and they can understand um, where the other person's coming from, they've got a lot less chance of, of getting into trouble. Yes, um, that's that's something that Dave Kavai also mentioned on the show. That was um, when they started with teaching martial arts. It it was all about adults, and it was the, the there wasn't really kids martial arts, and it it only started at a at a later time. Now, in in that in that time, do you feel there's been a bit of a, a shift in? You know, if you say it's it's a bit watered down, do you think the focus has changed in martial arts? that it's it's maybe not that much well it's still focused on on self-defense but that it is a bit more watered down as they say for um, to accommodate kids and other people within the martial arts and also with sports martial arts i, I guess yeah look um i i have i have quite a few uh, conversations with graham slater and he's um he's you know as he's, he's into the insurance obviously um but, you know, you don't want to get sued for teaching uh, wrong techniques or dangerous exercises. And um, when the Martial Arts Board came in in 1988, I think, um, you know, they tried to close a lot of schools down because of the dangerous exercises. So you don't want a child or an adult coming into your club and learning things that could damage them later in life. Um, like myself, I haven't had knee replacements, but they're getting close. But everyone I train with has had bad knees, you know, because we used to do probably an hour of those bunny hops. Um, and, and, of course, the um, Australian Institute of Sport, uh, you know, they, they had a good look at all this and, and, and tried to change it. So any of the cowboys that are still around, you know, they, they risk being sued and the, the insurance companies won't stand by them if they're doing uh, stupid things uh, in, their, in their teaching. Right, so I, I guess it's more a way of the world because I mean that's that's really just what's happened, you know. I mean everything gets regulated to the point of um, you you got to be covered, and especially with something like martial arts. I mean, if you, I mean that's that's got to be the worst side uh, effect uh, damage to your business. If well, and obviously the people that you damage, you know, in the process. But I mean that's got to be the hardest thing to overcome is if you have people go through an injury or something, and all the all the spotlights is on your school for doing potentially the wrong thing, which was injuring someone or harming someone within the within the training. Yes, that's correct. And um, at, look, I think most people are more aware. You know, we've, we've got so much knowledge now. With um, you can watch, you know, YouTube or Google stuff. Um, the only thing that worries me a little bit is um, I've always loved nunchaku. That's been my my thing. You know. And um, you can't, you, you really can't teach a lot of the weapons now without everyone getting a license. So it's not just the teacher that's got to get a license, it's the, the person in the, in the class has got to get a license. And the kids love weapons, you know, they love, um, uh, you know, wooden weapons and, um, but things like uh, boken, you know, the wooden, wooden sword, you know, you've got to have a license for, for uh, a lot of stuff. Um, and sometimes I think, yeah, well, you know, if someone had a dangerous weapon from one of the big hardware stores, um, you know, you can walk out with a chainsaw or whatever, you know, compared to a Boken, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I mean, I can understand why there should be regulation, but sometimes I think they go overboard a little bit. Yes, bubble wrap. 
Bubble wrap yeah. everything. Bubble wrap the kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So now tell me about the induction into the Australian Martial Arts Hall of Fame. And congratulations, of course. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, look, it was um, a, a very good weekend. I've been to three now where my friends have been inducted. Um, it is a lot bigger than most people know about. I mean, I spoke to George Colavos. I said, do you know about it? Uh, it, it didn't even know about it. So there's a lot of people um, out there and, and really good leaders in the martial arts that should be recognised. And um, the Martial Arts Hall of Fame is uh, a good way of doing it in Australia. Um, there was, um, I think there was um, two or three came from New Zealand this year. So it's the Australasian Martial Arts Hall of Fame as well. Um, and, and it's very humbling to be amongst these uh, amazing people you know some of them have done incredible stuff um, and uh, to be uh, to be part of that was was really good it's a it's a good weekend um, there was a guy with taekwondo called Paul Mitchell he actually ran it up in uh, Sydney and uh, put a lot of effort into it um, there was probably uh, we trained all Saturday and Sunday um, and the, the dinner presentation night was on the Saturday night. So um, it was probably on the floor training, would have been close to 100 at one stage. So, um, and these are all, or most of them are high grades. They do allow lower grades and that to, um, to train. But the, the knowledge you gained for, from the whole weekend was just sensational. Uh, I took up um, about 20 of my guys and they all came back raving about it, saying they, they love the cross um, training of the different, different people. So, um, yeah, I can thoroughly recommend it if you get a chance. It's in uh, Hobart next year in August. Um, yourself or anyone else that can get along, it's, it's a good weekend. Sounds great. So do you know what the actual criteria is to be, to be inducted? They've got different, different levels. Um, uh, I think um, you can get um, uh, instructor and there's all different levels. We get up to the old people <laughs> like me uh, just – I think mine was called a Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, so there, there is there is different levels. So younger younger guys can go into it, but usually they've got to be recommended. And as I said, they, they really go into your background. You can't just go up there and say, "Oh, look, I'm a I'm a I'm a 23rd degree. I think I deserve it." You know, it just that just doesn't happen. They go into your background and your qualifications and uh, um, your gradings and stuff like that. So um, you can see it online if you just look up. Uh, Amahoff, I think AM, uh, oh no, Australian Martial Arts Hall of Fame.net, I think it is. So, worth having a look. All right, fantastic, we'll do that. Okay, so, so Grant, uh, tell me, um, I mean, you've been in the industry for, for a very long time. So, if you could, if you could reverse things, you know, if you, if, if you, in, in the current situation of where things are going in the martial arts industry, what's, what do you see is great? Um, where it's moving forward, and what do you what do you see as you wish it was back to the roots or back in the day? Um, look, people say to me, "Oh, you know, it was really good back in those days." I wouldn't change it. You know, the progression is fantastic. Um, you see, like even people from overseas, you know, like Tom Callos and um, uh, uh, what's the Barry Van Overen, you know, the, those sort of guys. 
they give of themselves so much. I mentioned Paul Velman. You know, he gives of himself so much. Um, you can join the um, Paul Velman's group, which is uh, MABS, M-A-B-S, I think it's called, um, which is a little bit more in-depth, but they still give freely of their own uh, knowledge. And the beauty about that is what we're talking about, safety and stuff like that. People get to know what um, what is safe and what is not, and uh, they know if they go down the path of teaching kids the wrong thing, um, I, I, I mean, being choked out and stuff like that, then they won't be around long. And if, if they if they do the wrong thing and they get sued, uh, an insurance company doesn't stand by them, they lose their house, their assets and everything. So everyone's got to toe the line. My wife just turned up. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so Grant, who are the students that you have trained that you are most proud of? Uh, well, look, there's a, there's a couple of them. Um, well, three actually that come to mind. Uh, I've had a lot of black belts come through that have been fantastic. But uh, Crystal Lordigas, um, she won the ISCA Women's Black Belt Division in 2008. Um, that's the overall division of, uh, of all the black belts. Um, that was the ISCA World Titles. Um, Ross Rodolico, he won the Black Belt Division in ISCA in 2002. Stretching my mind here a little bit. And we've got this other guy called Danny Owen. He's um, got a young family now, so he trains occasionally. Um, Graham Slater won this. Uh, Graham, sorry, Graham Slater ran this competition, um, trying to find the best martial artists in Australia. And um, it, it had some strange criteria, but um, my guy Danny Owen won it. And um, he, we went out to Listerfield. There's a big uh, um, monastery out there for the Buddhists, and uh, they had a Shaolin monk come out and present him with the um, with the winnings. And he went and stayed with the Shaolin monks for a week, um, just training with them exclusively. And um, he was taken around China uh, with every other winner from every other country with a, a show. So it was a life-changing um, experience for him. So, um, you know, to have three brilliant people like that around you, it jeez you up. It makes you want to do, do more. Um, I've got a granddaughter. She's uh, 16, and she's the only one in the family that's that's uh, training with me, and and she's loving it. But you can see her journey is just starting, and uh, it's a bit of a long journey. Definitely so. So who who is you who has kept you going in your martial arts journey that that's walked the path beside you? Oh uh, look, uh, all the black belts. I've I've got about probably only got about 15, 20 black belts at the moment uh, with me. But the standard of these guys is fantastic. I think sometimes people come into your club and they look at you and then they um, they, they sum you up and they either stay with you uh, or not. And sometimes, you know, they look at you and if you're not aggressive enough, they'll go to someone who's who's a, got an aggressive output. And, um, whereas we try and be, uh, you know, help each other. Um, it, it's like Paul Veldman's club, um, Kendo Martial Arts. You know, all those guys down there, I've trained with them. And they're all fantastic. They all help each other and try and gear each other up. And, uh, and and we do the same with here, with us. Um, and that's that's kept me going, you know. And see, look, I've had a girl who's, who's virtually my manager now, Bella. <laughs> now, Bella's been with me since she was five. And back in those days, um, she's 23 now, uh, I wouldn't take anyone under about six or seven. It was, it was unheard of. And, and her mother just... Um, uh, virtually begged me to take her and she's been with me ever since and and still continuing 
her martial arts journey. So it's people like that that, that keep you G'd up and keep keeping me wanting to go down the club all the time and uh, helping them and seeing them get it better and better. Awesome. Fantastic. So Grant, last question from me. What's next for you in your martial arts journey? Look, uh, there's, a, there's a few things I've got in the pipeline. Um, obviously, um, the physical side of me is getting less and less. Um, but I, I do like the lifestyle of martial arts that it does. It does keep you healthy. My wife just walked in then. Um, she does an hour walk every day. She's 70 years old and she walks an hour every day. And the doctor said to her, she's the fittest 70-year-old he's ever seen. So, you know, the martial arts um, promotes healthy living and all that. And I, I think we've got so much to offer to the community and I I don't understand why it's not as accepted as much as, as a lot of other sports. Um, another thing I've been working on with uh, Kancho Terry Lim is um, a thing called the um, ABOC, which is Australian Board of Kanchos, um, which is like a grading panel. Um, now we're running into a few problems there because people are coming up and wanting to grade to fifth degree and they've only been training for three years and so so that's a bit of a nightmare but you know I've got people helping me like Bruce Haynes and um, uh, Tony Ball and Graham Slater people like that they're they're on board because a lot of people go into their own styles and then they don't know uh, where to go for grading so so we're working pretty hard on that as well but um, I do hope to continue my club and uh, um, I'm, I'm not too worried if it doesn't grow dramatically I just I'd like it I like to know the names of all the kids that come in. I like so you know if it gets too big, you sort of lose control of that personal contact. For sure. Well, Grant, it's been great speaking to you. And look, I've, I've got to say, you you probably a you a legend in the industry. I mean, you're a true testament <laughs> of um, of living the lifestyle all the way and and 74 years old, and you've got no um, no sign of stopping. So. Uh, Congrats to you. Well done. And lastly, if anybody wants more information about you, where can they, which website can they go? Where can they find more information about you? Well, I've got to talk to you about the website, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Doing it yourself isn't quite the right thing to do. I realize that. Um, Just uh, www.bakitokarate, it's one word, .com.au. All right, fantastic. Grant, it's been great speaking to you, and I will speak to you soon. Thanks, George. I appreciate you having me. It's great to talk to you as well. Awesome. Cheers. Okay, bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.